What do the Bears do at number one overall? We're going through that and all the scenarios for the top nine picks on today's Renner Ranks. This is Renner Ranks, the ultimate NFL ranking show. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into today's episode of Runner Ranks, your go-to daily ranks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And especially thank you to all those everydayers out there, even if I am not one of them. If you guys are everyday listeners, don't forget, subscribe, like, follow on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. I am obviously your host, Mike Renner, NFL Draft Analyst over at The Messenger. And today's podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code locked on to get 20 dollars off your order that's j-a-s-e medical.com that's right we're going through top nine picks today top eight or not not top 18 picks 10 through 18 on friday not necessarily a mock draft but doing a breakdown of what I think their best options are for each and every pick going through some of their needs, which players would fit those needs and where I think they could go with all those picks. Should they trade them? Should they not trade them? We'll be diving in to all of that. All right, let's get to the number one overall pick then Chicago bears. What we will be debating until they make a decision one way or the other word is right now that they have not made a decision one way or the other. Obviously they have a lot of time to do so. But it's going to come down to the decision with Justin Fields. What do they believe in? Uh, I posed the question the other day, why not keep Justin Fields and keep the number one overall pick? I posed that question on Twitter. And I think the most enlightening thing response I got from that is that Justin Fields is like the lifeblood of this locker room. Not only the fan base loves this guy, but also the players in that locker room. So the sort of keeping him and taking guy number one overall could lead to a chasm in that locker room. Now, it's not like this is an all-time locker room, though, that I would worry about a chasm. It's like you haven't won a lot of games anyway. I'm not sure that's stopping me from doing whatever I can to find a franchise quarterback. But I wrote a message, an article over at themessenger.com that if you want to go check out, that kind of breaks down all the options, whether it's trade back and keep fields, trade back and trade fields, which I don't think is going to happen, whether it's stay put and keep fields, whether it's stay put and trade fields, what all those could look like, the trade sort of compensation that they could get for all of them. But I think it's safe to say that if someone like the New York Giants came with an offer to the Chicago Bears at, sitting at number six overall, someone like the Atlanta Falcons came to the Chicago Bears, it would be a haul. Now, would it be what they got last year, right, from the Carolina Panthers? No. I don't think you're getting a proven player this year like they got in DJ Moore. I think a lot of teams around the NFL saw that and saw what happened to the Carolina Panthers and will be a little bit more reserved in their trade offers. And I think also the fact that this is not only a strong quarterback class in terms of the top two, but the next group of three, Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, no slouch themselves. We'll see if J.J. McCarthy declares for this draft. Uh, at the time of recording this has not said one way or the other, but it just it could be a lot more talent out there that could make teams who are farther down the board not have quite the desperation we saw a year ago. So I think for two, both those reasons, the quarterback heavy draft class and the fact that everyone saw what Carolina did, saw how much that crash and burn doesn't want to be the GM to repeat that and lose their job. 
that we may not see quite the desperation for that number one overall pick. So I think my opinion on what the Bears should do falls on what they can get for Justin Fields. I've seen Bears fans suggest that they think they can get a number one, a first rounder back for Justin Fields. You got that. You got that trade offer on the table. You do that in a heartbeat, in my opinion. You know, Justin Fields, for as talented as he is as a runner, physically, he still has well below average passing figures. And there was no excuse this past year. They had enough talent around him to run a competent, if not even better, passing offense. I mean, he had more talent around him than Jordan Love did. And you saw Jordan Love's emergence, obviously, one more year farther into his career. But I, I do think that if you can get a first or second back from him, you can get what the New York Jets got in return for Sam Darnold, which was a second and a fourth and a sixth. You get that trade offer, you pull the trigger. My thing is, though, Sam Darnold got that trade offer because his pre-draft evaluation from other teams was so high. People had this guy. People had astronomical grades on him coming out of USC. Justin Fields wasn't even a top 10 pick, right? He fell past a lot of teams who were quarterback needy, telling me that I think a lot of people didn't see him as a franchise quarterback to begin with, and that I'm not sure their opinions are going to have changed on that. And especially when it's a one-year rental with, you know, you get the fifth-year option, but the fifth-year option for him is going to be over $20 million. So you get a, basically one cheap year, one not-so-cheap year for a guy who has below average efficiency numbers as a passer and has been banged up every single year of his career. I think that's the other thing in this that kind of gets swept under the rug when you talk about his trade value is that the chance of him getting hurt with his play style, with how many sacks he takes, with how open he leaves himself to big hits. And the fact that he's already, you know, had a shoulder, a cracked ribs, wrist injury, which are like all contact injuries that he gets from taking those big hits. I do worry that, the trade market won't materialize. So if it's only a third that you're getting in return, I'm of the opinion that you just go ahead and see what you got with him next year. You bring him back and whichever, and you stay at number one and the quarterback you drafted number one overall, you tell him expressly you're getting a red shirt year. It's not uncommon as much as we want all these quarterbacks to play right away. It is not uncommon. And the track record of guys doing so is also very strong. Whether it is Jordan Love, who we just discussed, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, whether it was, you know, Jared Goff basically redshirted his fresh, not freshman year, his rookie year, didn't play until the very end of it. Eli Manning didn't start right away as the number one overall pick for the New York Giants, only came in, I believe, in November of that year. Uh, Carson Palmer was the number one overall pick, didn't play a snap his whole first season. Philip Rivers got drafted, you know, number four overall with the expressed intent of letting Drew Brees have. The exact same situation. Drew Brees was going into year four, had a terrible year the year prior. That's why they were drafting number one overall. That's why, you know, was getting subbed out for Doug Flutie. They gave him that year to see, oh, all of a sudden Drew Brees turned into a great quarterback. Now they had Philip Rivers in tow to be able to, you know, have that smooth transition a few years later. So it's not unheard of to do this. And I think, again, the track record of teams doing it is strong enough that if I'm the Chicago Bears number one overall, and I'm not getting a big trade haul in return for Justin Fields. I'm giving Fields one more year because you're not winning a Super Bowl with a rookie quarterback anyways. I'm letting my quarterback have that red shirt year where he just gets to learn, gets acclimated to the NFL game, the speed of the game, gets to learn the system, whatever it is. And then with the sort of expressed intent saying that Just Fields gets this year, there's no benching him, he gets it. Now, if it obviously if the wheels fall off, you're benching him, but that he's getting it. And then 
after that, we will see. And whether that's trade, whether that's extend Justin Fields, whether that's uh, tag him, should he play well enough, they'll see. But if it's, again, only a third rounder getting a return, Justin Fields plays great. And even if you don't tag him, chances are you're getting a third round compensatory anyways. And so for me, that's more uh, the route I would go down if I'm the Chicago Bears. All right, before we get to the commanders, I'll say this about the Bears. I haven't even talked about who I would take at number one overall. But I have Drake May higher on my board. If they go that route, though, of Justin Fields and Caleb Williams, I would probably lean Caleb Williams. I just don't want to start Caleb Williams right away, as I think the biggest thing with me is that he has bad habits in terms of his pocket presence, that I just want him to have that year to acclimate to the NFL game, to acclimate from going from Cliff Kingsbury's offense to an NFL offense. And to me, his sort of game can run the same offense that Justin Fields does. So should Justin Fields get injured, you don't have to change anything of Chicago Bears. And so I have close enough grades on Drake May and Caleb Williams that if you're going that route, that's who I'd go with. If you're trading Justin Fields outright before the draft, I'd probably lean Drake May. And then with that number nine overall pick, we get to it. But I'd love to pair that, whoever you're taking at number one, with a wide receiver there. All right, Washington Commanders, number two. This one will be the easiest pick of the draft. It'll be whichever quarterback that the Chicago Bears don't pick. And yes, Sam Howell, some signs that are encouraging. Nowhere near enough encouraging signs, though, for me to pass on a quarterback in this class, for me to trade this pick in this class. To me, this is the biggest no-brainer in this class. And this is, again, whichever of Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams, that is not taking a number one overall. Even though I've heard whispers, I think it was Benjamin Albright, uh, the great Denver uh, insider slash radio host who said that some teams may have Jane Daniels above some of the top two quarterbacks in this class. I don't think that's terribly surprising given how dominant Daniels was this past season. I do not though. Uh, I still think that Drake May and Caleb Williams are the one, two in this class. And I actually, after you listen to the quarterback episodes, I'm high on Jane Daniels. I think he's a top 10 player. I just don't think that I just worry about his frame paired with the fact that he takes some big hits, man. He took some shots uh, over the course of his career. So those are the top two. Before we get to the England Patriots at number three, today's podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than one of my loved ones getting sick while a supply chain issue kept them from their life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any one of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your per Physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use code LOCKDOWN to get $20 off your order. Today's podcast is also brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest DFS platform in North America, the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. 
Price Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big time payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Go to pricepicks.com slash lockdown NFL and use code lockdown NFL for a first spot match up to $100. New England Patriots at number three. Now, this is an eye of the beholder pick, right? Do you like the QB three in this draft class enough to pull the trigger? Whether that's Jane Daniels, whether that's Michael Penix, whether that's Bo Nix, do you like them to take them? Because the need is desperate, right? You have needs everywhere for the New England Patriots, but especially at the quarterback position. Now, if you evaluate this class and you say, hey, QB three isn't quite worth what the number three overall pick would have got like Marvin Harrison would be at that. Well, then I think what you do is you go out and sign Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson. They're not exciting options. But again, if you trust your evaluations and don't think those quarterbacks are worth it, you sign one of those guys, but then you don't sit still and just draft Marvin Harrison Jr., right? I think you try to trade back. Now, obviously, that might be easier said than done if someone's already leapfrogged you to go to the number one overall pick with Chicago Bears, depending on what they do. But if you don't like QB3 in this class, chances are someone will to have that desperation because you're so bad right now. Like this roster is so bereft of talent. And if they get rid of, uh, you know, Bill Belichick this offseason, new coach, new refresh, the best thing you can do is load up on picks. And so if that's flipping back to six, again, with New York Giants, flipping back to eight with the Atlanta Falcons, who I think should be very interested in a guy like Jaden Daniels, given what they have offensively. Then, then you can go, you make that trade and then you draft whoever is on the board for you there because one Marvin Harrison Jr., it might be three years into his rookie contract before you're even like ready to compete again. So as much as I think he's an electric talent, I think they could get a haul back for that number three overall pick. But then also they could just sit still and draft quarterback. So we'll see what they do. But to me, those are really the only two options. I think standing pat. It's just not really the same Patriots. It's not really an option for them. All right, let's move on to number four. Arizona Cardinals. Great position for them. I'm going to say this about a lot of teams. Great position for them. But a great position for them because you need everything, but you really need a number one wide receiver. You got Michael Wilson. You have Rondale Moore. Ideally, like if you're building a wide receiving core that's going to win you a Super Bowl, Michael Wilson is your three in your slot. Rondale Miller is your four and your gadget player. So you need a one and you need a two in that receiving core right now. It's just their breath of talent. Now, obviously, you can kind of assage things there by the fact that Trey McBride looks like a pretty darn good tight end. So you have good tight end, good slot receiver, good makings of, you know, a solid wide receiving core, but you need the one. If you had the one, it would look a lot better. And the one is just so happened to be sitting on the board for them. I don't think I said that quite right. But Marvin Harrison Jr., ideally, QB's going 2-3, is there. Now, if he goes higher, could happen. Malik Neighbors going to be sitting on the board for you there. The LSU wide receiver. No slouch himself. Guy who, I'm going to say this stat a lot, because I think it's meaningful. The second highest yards per game of any wide receiver over the past decade from a Power 5 conference. Only Devontae Smith had higher. The guy's production was off the charts. His athleticism is off the charts. If Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't exist, we'd be talking about Malik Neighbors in the same light 
in my opinion. Just my opinion. But I do think one of those two guys is going to be an Arizona Cardinal. Yes, you would love the bookend tackle, right? You would love an Oluf Shanu or Joe Wall. You'd love that guy, Paris Johnson on the right side, that guy on the left side. I think the wide receiver need, though, is too big. And the fact that the way that Kyler Murray plays the quarterback position, he was at his best when he had DeAndre Hopkins, right? He does not necessarily need high-end pass protection because he's so he's set so deep in the pockets. He's so athletic. He gets outside the pockets even when those tackles lose and that you have to almost rush them differently when he is in the game that the wide receiver means more in that offense for my money. So that's where I'm going. It's really not a debate. You pick one of those two guys, you get really excited about it because they're really darn good prospects. And then you keep kicking. And thank you, Lucky Stars. Then you got another first rounder here in this class. You got Houston's, which obviously is going to be now later on in the draft. But you got another one where you can address other positions of need because, again, there's a lot of them in Arizona. All right, number five, Los Angeles Chargers. Another team where Malik Neighbors is gone. You go one of the two tackles, you know, Olufashanu or Joe Alt. One of the two tackles is gone. You go Malik Neighbors or one of the other tackles. It's going to be one of those three guys. You drafted a wide receiver last year in Quinn Johnson. It has not worked out. That does not stop me from taking a Malik Neighbors in this class, especially when it's a new GM. So any sort of fallacious thinking uh, of you know avoiding the sunk cost shouldn't be present, uh, even when sometimes it is when a GM has made that pick himself. So the only thing I will say, though, the only thing that gets me a little intrigued is this line of thinking. Justin Herbert's 25. Rashawn Slater's 24. Herbert will be 26 next year. You draft a 21-year-old offensive tackle, put him on the right side. The rest of Herbert's career, feasibly, I think you can like pretty much assume the rest of Herbert's career, a decade plus, probably 10 to 12 years, he will have high-end pass protection if you draft an Olu Fashanu in this class, 21-year-old Olu Fashanu, or 21-year-old Joe Alt. Malik Neighbors, high-end athlete, awesome player, gives you your best chance of probably winning next year, right? But if you're thinking long-term, the useful life, the useful career of a wide receiver, seven to eight years, the useful career of a offensive tackle, closer to 10 to 12 years. And we're seeing tackles play later into their 30s more and more nowadays. And that's obviously barring injury. If Los Angeles Chargers need an offensive lineman, chances are you're probably getting hurt, unfortunately, just given their injury history. Not to actually put that on one. I know it doesn't work like that, but they've had some bad luck. So that's my take is that, one, you can't go wrong. But two, you might have that decision on your hands with just how good these offensive tackle prospects are, is that you just know then you have an offensive line capable of blocking opposing edge rushers for the next decade if you draft one of these two tackles and say, hey, Justin, we'll give you the time. You find the guys open. Instead of, hey, Justin, we'll give you the guys open. You make the time. It's it's worth a debate, right? Um, but again, can't go wrong in my eyes. Uh, that's number six, New York Giants. They are, they're basically picking whoever the Chargers don't pick, right? Chargers pick Joe Alt, they pick Olaf Shanu. Chargers pick Olaf Shanu, they take Joe Alt, vice versa. They take the wide receiver, then they might have their pick. The only debate here, when you have needs at offensive tackle, wide receiver, edge, cornerback, um, is do we trade for the quarterback? 
because Daniel Jones cap hit $47 million next year, coming off an ACL, you're locked into that. Can't cut him, but you can cut him next year for still a pretty hefty cap hit, unfortunately. Do you start to get forward thinking and move up and get a quarterback? The problem is you are not a good team and you have a lot of needs. As I just mentioned, offensive tackle, wide receiver, edge, cornerback. Those are all needs for this team. When you're that far away, I just don't see what trading up will do for this team because I think you'll be in the same spot next year. As much as Giants fans don't want to hear that, it would very much surprise me if the Giants aren't picking top 10 again in 2025. That's just how tough this roster is, unfortunately. And so if you're trading up for one quarterback, I struggle to see that one guy making a big enough impact in his first season to push you over the edge. So if I'm the Giants, I'm just taking one of the tackles, being very happy about it, plugging them in at right side, across from Andrew Thomas, kicking Evan Neal into guard, and saying, we're good. We're finally, we finally have the makings of something good along the offensive line. You know, it's been, what, 15 years? It's been so long since the Giants had anything resembling a good offensive line. Now you might have one. So that's my train of thought. I know everyone wants the quarterback. I kind of made your bed, though, with that stupid Daniel Jones contract. Didn't like it at the time. Still don't like it. Looks even worse now. But it's only going to compound matters to give up draft capital to get the quarterback because you will have a whale of a time surrounding him with talent should you make a move like that. It will just be very, very difficult. It'll be very difficult. All right, on to the Tennessee Titans at number seven. Needs here, offensive tackle, wide receiver, both pretty glaring. Defense side of the ball are pretty good. You could use some help at corner. You're not like set in stone there, but at number seven, with how this class is shaking out, it's going to be an OT or a wide receiver. And this is it. I, I always talk about this tier, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it by saying, you know, Marvin Harrison, Malik Neighbors, Olaf Shanu, Joe Wall. But it's just that I have such high grades on all four of them, like such like astronomical grades for their respective positions, that it will, there will be a ranking four years from now of those four guys in some way, shape, or form. They're not all going to turn out to be the same level of impact on their respective franchises. But they're so they're all so good that if they're not high-end players, I, everyone will be surprised. They're that talented as prospects that if you're at Tennessee Titans sitting at number seven and three quarterbacks have come off the board before you, you are just happy as heck to be running in the card for whichever one sitting there on the board for you. So – that's how I view the Tennessee Titans right now, is that this just shook, shook out perfectly because Will Levis needs help, man. He was under siege. He is not – he's not his, – his performance under pressure is interesting. He's in the closer to the Daniel Jones camp than anything in that he can operate under pressure. He can make throws under pressure. He can play from a tight pocket, but it's almost because he doesn't even know it's there. And so he'll take too many sacks. He'll fumble the ball too much when he's under pressure. I still think he needs to use his legs more. And when he sees lanes, actually go attack them. And maybe we'll see uh, see Daniel Jones figure that out later on in his rookie contract. Hopefully, Will Levis does the same. But it was more than enough to stick with him, what he showed as a rookie. 
and to just try to give him more help. Because in terms of what he had, it was DeAndre Hopkins and then nothing. And we saw him just force the ball DeAndre Hopkins at will. You know, he just was giving him way too many targets when he did not deserve them because he's not really a separator at this point in his career. So, yeah, that's how I feel about the Tennessee Titans. Just whichever of those last four is still on the board for you. Hopefully. Now, here's a scenario where only two QBs come off the board for pick seven. None of those players are there. I think you go Roma Dunze, the Washington wide receiver. I think he's played his way into that conversation. You know, he's not going to be, you know, he's not as good a prospect as those guys, in my opinion, but he's more than good enough to still select here. And he gets to learn from the best, right? He's still pretty darn good at his at doing a lot of the late hand, late separation, ball, catch point stuff. But he gets to learn from the GOAT in, De in that regard, in DeAndre Hopkins in his first year with the Tennessee Titans. So that's a guy I'd love to add to the fold as well. Number eight, Atlanta Falcons. And they have a decision on their hands because you have one of the best young skill cores in the NFL. But it's so top-heavy in that after Drake London, you have no wide receivers. Worth the darn, really. That I want to be, you know, if you're switching offenses to a more two and three wide receiver set heavy unit, especially more of a three wide receiver set unit, you need help there. So someone like Roma Dunze on the board, yeah, it might be the fourth straight skill position offensively, but it's still a need. Wide receiver two, still very much a need there. But also the need, quarterback. Quarterback, a massive need for this team. They, to me, though, with all that young talent, feel like a great landing spot for a veteran. And now that's not the sexiest thing in the world, but they could win this division tomorrow with Kirk Cousins. I think he could win tomorrow with Justin Fields, too. It's obviously going to depend on who their head coach is going forward. But I do believe that this is a team close to competing. And if you trade away a bunch of draft capital to move up and get a Jane Daniels, you are kind of putting all your, you put all your eggs in that basket, right? That's a, he works out or the next four years stink for this franchise. That's a tough, that would be a tough pill to swallow um, for Atlanta Falcons fan. Now, if you just stand pat and draft one much easier pill to swallow, that's like a Bo Nix, a Michael Penix. I wouldn't argue too hard against either of those guys. I obviously love, I have super prefer Nix to Penix, but that's the case you're you're shooting for the moon in that regard in that that guy hits you have a rookie contract quarterback you didn't give up a lot of draft capital you have these three rookie contract playmakers on offense it becomes really easy to fill that roster out in free agency even if your defensive side of the ball doesn't look nearly as exciting even if your wide receiver two is still in need you can start then making plays because you're so cheap at so many valuable positions that are impacting the game at a high level so I wouldn't argue against those whatsoever. The more level-headed, likely pick, though, probably comes along the defensive line. Guys like Jerzon Newton, Illinois defensive tackle, Dallas Turner, the Alabama defensive end, just kind of taking your medicine, saying, we need help rushing the passer. That's been an issue for us for like a half decade now. Give us just a Dallas Turner, who's a darn good prospect in his own right. You know, he would have been – Defensive end two in last year's class behind Will Anderson, should he have come out that year. Give me something like that, and we'll just take an easy W at a valuable position and keep trucking. So that's how I see Atlanta Falcons. I just I would not trade up. I just would not trade up if I were them. You you just are too – If it, and it, I don't know. It just 
the chance of that backfiring seems a little high in my regard. And it's just going to take so much to do it, right? It always takes so much to move up to number one. The Panthers, in the same division as the Panthers, to do what the Panthers just did, I think would just not be learning your lesson in that regard. All right, before we get to the last one here. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Around New Year, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Not sure what that means. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that stick. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H-E-L-P.com slash locked on for 10% off your first month. All right, last one. Chicago Bears again, ninth overall pick here. This one obviously is going to depend on what they do at number one, right? So if they trade back to number one, they'll have a whole haul of picks and they'll just be shooting shots willy-nilly at BPA, valuable positions, wide receivers, pass rushers, et cetera. That's what that would be their ideal scenario in that case. Now, their ideal scenario, should they just trade Justin Fields, go quarterback number one, to me, would be like a Roman Dunce here. You get a wide receiver, maybe a Keon Coleman, probably a little rich for him, but you get a wide receiver to pair with DJ Moore, and you have a, I'll probably say this a zillion times from now into the draft, but you have a Cincinnati Bengals, like T. Higgins, Jamar Chase kind of situation on your hands where you have just two dudes for your quarterback to rely on. Kind of just throw the ball up to. Things aren't going well, just let me, give them, let me get the ball in the hands of my playmakers, that sort of thing. That, I think, would go a real long way towards that rookie's development. So that's where my head's at with this pick. Now, should that not be the case? Should they be rolling with Justin Fields and then have a ton of picks? And because now, as stands, they don't pick again until pick 75. So pick 75 is probably not going to be that number two wide receiver you want. It's not going to be like a really a starter anywhere, but it could be depth elsewhere that you need, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But... If you have traded back and you have this bevy of picks then that comes with it, I think this is a defensive end slash defensive tackle, whether it's Layatu Latu, Dallas Turner, if he's still available, uh, Layatu Latu, the UCLA defensive end, or Jerzon Newton, Illinois defensive tackle. That's where you just beef up that D-line. One Montez Sweat didn't fix this defensive line overnight. They still have massive needs there, still need to do more. So that's where my head's at with this. Obviously, quarterback, wide receiver, edge, they're – biggest needs on this roster as it stands right now but a lot a lot to be determined very excited to see how the chicago bears shake out here with their head coaching situation now that matter uberflis kind of got this one year prove it with a new oc that we don't know who it is yet and we don't know what they're going to do with justin fields so that's why the draft's the best we got four months to debate all of this before it actually the rubber hits the road i'll be doing 10 through 18 Later this week, I'll also be hopefully having Austin Galon to give some year-end awards out. 
Until then, though, you've been listening to Renner Ranks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.